Josh Haston here, Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 14th of March, 2022, the 11th of Adar Bet 5782, coming to you this week from Gush Etzion, Judea, Israel, just south of Jerusalem. Hope you are well. Hope you are safe in your part of the world. I had a pretty amazing week this past week, which I want to share with you. It's also related to everything going on in the news, specifically the situation in the Ukraine. Last Monday night, I was given the opportunity as a journalist to accompany a mission carried out by the United Hatzalah Organization. And the mission was really threefold. Number one, our flight, which left Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv, took off for northern Romania with about 20 United Hatzalah volunteers. I'm talking about volunteer doctors and medics and EMTs and paramedics and even medical clowns who were headed towards the Ukraine-Moldova border in order to help those who are fleeing the war in the Ukraine. Uh, United Hatzalah actually has set up a command center over there in Moldova in order to coordinate their activities and provide humanitarian aid. So number one, we had this group on the plane, the men and women in the orange jackets who were headed towards the border there via Romania. Number two, under the plane, in the belly of the plane, there were uh, several tons of humanitarian aid, food, clothing, uh, medicine, all sorts of aid for those fleeing the Ukraine to be distributed by those volunteers from Hatzalah. So that's number two. And number three, and this is, uh, I guess, the main reason why I was there, 110 Ukrainian refugees were brought back with us on the Archaea Israeli plane back to Israel, many of them harrowing stories, traveling for days in order to make the flight, escaping the Ukraine into Moldova, and then eventually into Romania. So I was on the flight, um, again, with these journalists, and we had we were supposed to have several hours on the ground in Romania, but because of delays, we had about an hour, really 45 minutes or so, in the boarding terminal where we got to speak with the Ukrainians, uh, many Jewish, many with relatives in Israel, and those who were able to communicate in English or Hebrew, uh, all the journalists were working as fast as we could in order to get their stories out. So my article on my very brief trip trip to Romania is at JNS News, if you want to see the full article. It was really crazy, you know, we gave over our passports at customs control, literally then ran around to the departure gate, the flight check-in, handed in our passports once once again, and the officials there really didn't understand what was going on, the fact that we just landed from Israel and we were turning around and going back to Israel. And then we had about 45 minutes in the boarding area with those who have fled, uh, those who had fled their homes in the Ukraine and we were able to make it all the way to Romania to catch this United Hatzalah sponsored flight. So it was a remarkable week, a remarkable experience and um, 
And of course, those, uh, the Ukrainians on the plane, everyone applauded when we landed in, in Tel Aviv at Ben Gurion Airport. Uh, some of them will be making Aliyah, staying in Israel, others hoping to return after the war. But nevertheless, unbelievable to see an Israeli organization and their really their holy work in saving lives, bringing these people back to Israel and for many of them home to Israel. Um, so that, that was my week. Uh, that was some of my week and I'll get to other parts of the week just here in a minute. Just wanted to share that, according to Times of Israel, over 600 new immigrants from the Ukraine landed in Israel on Sunday alone, yesterday. This is the largest number since the start of the Russian invasion, according to the government. Russia's ongoing offensive against Ukraine has prompted what is expected to be the largest wave of immigration to Israel, or Aliyah, since the end of the Cold War in the early 1990s, as of Sunday morning, over 2,000 new immigrants have landed in Israel since February 24th. In all of 2021, just over 3,100 people immigrated to Israel from Ukraine. Um, so those numbers are going to go up and up as time goes on. And we are seeing more and more flights landing each and every day, uh, literally saving lives. Again, regardless of you know, your opinion of the conflict and what's going on and and um, your thoughts on Vladimir Putin, of course, or your thoughts on perhaps on what the Ukrainian government is or isn't doing. Nevertheless, here you have Israel. And, and what's ironic is that somehow Israel is getting criticized that we're not doing enough. Even though, from what I understand, Israel has taken in more people than any other country in the world, except for those countries bordering the Ukraine. Nevertheless, Israel is somehow getting slammed in many camps for not doing enough. I wonder if the world community is turning to, I don't know, Cameroon or Mexico or any other country, uh, even those countries that are larger than Israel and have uh, more resources to take in these people. I wonder if the world is criticizing them, like somehow, again, not everybody, but I've seen criticism time and time again against Israel, which is, is, I guess, not surprising, but it's just remarkable how this happens, how Israel somehow connected uh, to the situation there. On one hand, I guess you would say Israel is connected. Uh, the Jerusalem Post reported yesterday that Jerusalem is a constructive place to hold ceasefire negotiations with Ukraine and, Ru and Russia the Ukrainian president himself, Zelensky, told reporters on Saturday as he gave a positive boost to Prime Minister Naftali Bennett's efforts to mediate an end to the war. For the last two weeks, we've talked about Naftali Bennett, our Prime Minister, seeking perhaps to get involved in the mediation efforts. Again, I have mixed reviews, mixed thoughts rather, on whether Israel should get involved in that for many reasons. Um, but nevertheless, Prime Minister Bennett getting involved there. Zelensky's words came after a week, which I was just talking about, in which Bennett was one of a number of world leaders who attempted to use dipl diplomacy to halt Rus the Russian invasion of the Ukraine that began um, 17 days ago, now uh, 18 days ago. On March, on March 5th, of course, Bennett flew to Moscow to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin, and has spoken with him 
and with Zelensky on numerous occasions. Uh, Biden and Zelensky spoke on Saturday night, this past Saturday night, the conversation which lasted more than an hour, dealt with ways to stop the fighting and Israel's efforts to halt the war. It's remarkable that Zelensky, the head of the Ukraine, has the time over an hour to give to Prime Minister Bennett. Maybe he really does believe the Prime Minister can make a difference here and stop the war. According to uh, one Ukrainian official, Israel can play an important role in in mediation efforts between Ukraine and Russia. According to Markian Lupkovitsky, an advisor to the Ukrainian defense minister, he said the following, this again is from the Jerusalem Post, he said, quote, thank you so much, Israel, for your support. He added, I think your country can play a critical role in this story, and I think that you can be a mediator to stop Putin. This is a message Kiev wants to send to you. So again, you have Ukrainian officials who believe that Israel can play a role in stopping uh, the war there in the Ukraine. And this official actually understood or understands the positions Israel is in. Uh, Again, his name, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, Markian Lupkovetsky. He said also the following, you are in a, to Israel, you are in a very sensitive position, I have to say, because you have a lot of people who come from the former Soviet Union, and they are Russians, and they are Ukrainians. Also, I guess he doesn't allude to it here, the fact that Israel has to be very, very careful in regard to the situation in Syria and Russian control and Russia controlling the airspace over a part of Syria with Iranian-backed militias, terrorists who often try to attack Israel. And Israel, of course, through the last several years have been coordinating with Russia so that there's no miscommunication, so that Israel doesn't accidentally target Russia and vice versa, or Russian troops or forces in Syria. But Israel must do, again, unofficially, because Israel has not claimed it doesn't take credit in terms of what goes on there in Syria. But nevertheless, Israel is in a very delicate position, and I hope people realize that and understand that. Israel criticized, of course, for not coming out strong enough on the side of the Ukraine. But please take into account Israel's situation and the fact that Israel still has to work with Russia in fighting against Hezbollah and the other terrorists in Syria. To me, it's it's crystal clear. That doesn't mean that Israel is not siding uh, with the Ukraine, but there is a sensitivity there that I think a lot of people are choosing to ignore. At the same time, I had that amazing experience with United Hatzalah, seeing the heroes in action. Former Vice President Mike Pence was in Israel touring this week throughout the country. The main purpose of his visit, or one of the main purposes, uh, was the fact that Mike Pence, uh, Vice President Mike Pence, and former U.S. Ambassador to Israel David Friedman were awarded honorary doctorates at Ariel University in the Shamron in Samaria this past Wednesday evening. I had the privilege and pleasure of being of that event as well go to jns.org you can see my art, my full article there um, on that event 
I actually got to spend time with about a hundred others a night before in Jerusalem as part of the Republicans Abroad meeting with the former vice president. In his uh, address to the several hundred guests in attendance in Ariel, Pence said, It's great to be here in Ariel. I'm told that some people say that you shouldn't go to the Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria. I obviously have a different opinion. And without mentioning names, this was clearly um, this was clearly directed. His comments were directed to the U.S. ambassador to Israel, current ambassador Thomas Nides, who recently said that he, while he would be willing to meet with so-called settlers, that's what he refers to Jews in Judea and Samaria, they would have to come to him. They would have to come to Jerusalem to meet with him. But he would not be visiting any Jewish so-called settlements as to not cause friction. So that is the policy of US, the current U.S. ambassador to Israel. He is unwilling to visit Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria. No problem going to Arab communities. He will not visit Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria. That's his policy. And uh, Vice, former Vice President Pence calling him out on that. Again, not mentioning by names, but that seemed to be crystal clear that that was what he was talking about. Uh, the Vice President went on to criticize U.S.-led negotiations currently underway in Vienna. Let's not forget around, about Iran, folks. Surrounding a possible return to the 2015 Iran nuclear deal, which he said were leading to a new and even worse agreement. He scorned Russia's role as a mediator in the talks and said that if another bad deal was signed, the next U.S. president, who he said he was confident would be a Republican, would, quote, rip up any new nuclear deal on day one. While he no longer speaks on behalf of the U.S. government, Vice President Pence said, I speak with authority when I say, now and always, America stands with Israel. Another important aspect of the trip, Vice President Pence visited Hebron, the tomb of the matriarchs and patriarchs, the second holiest site in all of Judaism. Uh, he actually referred to his visit. Um, he said he was visiting the oldest Jewish community in the world, and he called it one of the greatest honors of my life. And of course, the media went crazy, and the Israel hater, haters went crazy, and the Hebron haters went crazy. Um, but apparently this was the highest ranking official to visit Hebron in many, many years. Uh, so this was a great, um, a great sign of the vice president's commitment to Israel and to the communities of Judea and Samaria, Samaria including Hebron. Again, he called it one of the greatest honors of his life. So go check out my article. Again, very rarely. I do it sometimes. Very rarely, though, do I um, direct people to articles which I have written. But go go to JNS and check out uh, my coverage of the Pence visit, Pence and the, the Pence and Friedman Award uh, ceremony at REL, in addition to, of course, my uh, seven-hour trip to Romania. I mean, it was much longer than that. If you figure by the time I woke up yeah, last Monday morning, until the time I got back, I was awake for, and then wrote the articles about 27 hours. Um, I basically, even though Romania is on the same time as Israel, I basically gave myself jet lag uh, last week. But thank God, back to normal now. Check this out. The Jewish Insider reports 
that according to Amnesty's USA director, Israel shouldn't exist as a Jewish state. I kid you not, this is not the onion. This is real news here. Uh, Jewish Insider says, following Amnesty International's recent report that accused Israel of apartheid for its treatment of the so-called Palestinians, the group's USA director appeared to go a step further last Wednesday, suggesting to a Women's National Democratic Club audience that the bulk of American Jews do not want Israel to be a Jewish state, but rather a so-called safe Jewish space based on Jewish core values. I wonder if he knows what Jewish core values are, but there shouldn't be a Jewish state here, just a space, a safe space. Paul O'Brien, he is the he is the head of Amnesty in the U.S., okay? He's the one who made these comments. Um, and, of course, you had that horrible Amnesty report earlier this year accusing Israel of all kinds of nonsense, okay? Amnesty and Paul O'Brien also rejected a recent study uh, conducted by the Ruderman Family Foundation that found that 8 in 10 Jewish Americans Americans identify as pro-Israel and two-thirds feel emotionally attached or very attached to the, to the Jewish state. O'Brien said, I actually don't believe that to be true. I believe my gut tells me that what Jewish people in this country want is to know that there is a sanctuary that is safe and sustainable, a safe and sustainable place that the Jews the Jewish people can call home. So he just wants a space, not a state, a Jewish space where if there's a war, Jews can feel safe there, but not a state, okay? And that's what he stressed. But again, the main quote here, Israel shouldn't exist as a Jewish state. O'Brien told some 20 in-person and 30 virtual attendees last Wednesday, okay? It's unbelievable. I mean, do you think this guy O'Brien went out and said, I don't believe that Iran or any of the other states in the Middle East, which are Muslim Arab, should be Muslim states? Do you think he did that? Do you think he went and, and said that there shouldn't be any Christian countries in the world? If you go to Google you will see that countries which consider themselves Christian countries include Argentina, Armenia, Costa Rica, Denmark, England, Ethiopia, on and on and on. Many of these countries consider themselves Christian countries. And of course, in the Middle East, you have countries which are known as Islamic states, Afghanistan, Iran, Oman, Pakistan, and Saudi Arabia, and several others. They identify as Islamic or Muslim countries. And that's fine, but Paul O'Brien doesn't believe there should be a Jewish state. Just one. We only have one. There are dozens of Christian states. There's a handful of Muslim states, but he does not believe that Israel should be a Jewish state, that a Jewish state should exist. Shame on this guy. Shame on Paul O'Brien and Amnesty, Amnesty International, and all their branches and everything they do to delegitimize the Jewish state of Israel and actually call for Israel's destruction, basically, shouldn't exist as a Jewish state. 
the obsession, the obsession with Israel continues from Amnesty and many other organizations, the organizations that are criticizing Israel overtaking in Ukrainian refugees. If you want to criticize Israeli policy, fine, but if you're holding Israel to a higher standard, okay, that's one thing. And certainly, if you are saying flat out Israel should not exist as a Jewish state, then you can get bent. And there are a lot of other words that I could use right here, which I won't to keep this clean. But those are my feelings on Amnesty USA and the chutzpah, to put it mildly, the chutzpah that they have in saying that Israel should not be a Jewish state. JNS reporting here, switching gears, Israel's Knesset last week voted to renew a controversial law first enacted in 2003 that prevents the granting of Israeli citizenship Israeli citizenship or permanent resident status to inhabitants of Gaza and Judea and Samaria. Let me tell you exactly what we're talking about here. The citizen, citizenship and entry law into the sorry, the citizenship and entry law which was approved. What does it do? It prevents PA Arabs from acquiring Israeli citizenship through marriage. And why is this law so important? Because we've had many cases where an Arab living under the PA marries an Israeli and then has free access throughout Israel and then goes out and blows up Jews, carries out terror attacks, using his Israeli identity card. That's how he was able to do it and get around security, using Israeli identity cards through the marriage and murdering Israelis. And one example here is a Hamas member by the name of Shadi Tubasi, who murdered 16 Israelis in a terror attack in 2002. Okay, and of course, rights groups claim this is discriminatory, Israel shouldn't do this, we're a terrible, terrible country, terrible government, terrible leadership, everything like that. And yet people using, this is just one example of these Arabs living under the PA, PA control, using this marriage, perhaps they even got married for this very reason, to have free access throughout Israel and to go out and murder Jews. So a very, very important law passed. I'm so very happy that it passed. This will save lives. Even if the haters out there are claiming that this is discrimination, uh, I could care less about what they say. Honestly, this saves lives. I'm glad it passed. Ynet reports. Iran's Revolutionary Guards claim responsibility for a dozen ballistic missiles that struck alleged Israeli strategic centers in Israel's northern Kurdish regional capital of Erbil in the early hours of Sunday, Iran's state media reported, while warning Israel of a harsh response if it retaliates. The missiles also targeted the U.S. consulate's new building, uh, causing only uh, a small amount of damage, one civilian injured, according to the Kurdish Interior Ministry. So again, you're talking about a, a, an attack in Iraq, which Iran somehow claims that this was targeting an Israeli uh, Mossad center, strategic center, who knows what. And while at the same time, uh, firing these missiles at the U.S. consulate. Um, number one, um, you have to ask yourself, 
just based on this attack. And the fact that the world community is negotiating a new deal with Iran in Vienna, should we ease the sanctions? Is that the right move? While Iran is firing missiles at U.S. and alleged, again, I don't have, we don't have the proof, alleged Israeli targets, even if it's just U.S. targets, okay? And again, I don't know what strategic Israeli center they're talking about. That's not the point. The point is you should not, Israel, the world community should not be talking about easing sanctions on Iran as they are firing missiles and rockets at U.S. or perhaps Israeli centers there in Iraq. Seth Franzman, a friend of mine, uh, has an analysis in today's Jerusalem Post. He says in regard to this attack, Tehran has long tried to spread claims that Israel is active in Iraq. And this is part of the overall Iranian campaign to use Iraq against Israel. At the same time, for Iran, the U.S. and Israel are both enemies, and Tehran is part of the, quote, resistance, so-called resistance against both countries. If Iran can claim and destruct both, it gets to claim and has struck two for the price of one. This doesn't mean that Iran has actually done what it claims, or even that the rumors it spreads on social media are accurate. Rather, this is messaging. Tehran wants to send a message about striking at Israel without necessarily doing so. Propaganda, propaganda, propaganda. That's what Iran is doing, whether or not it actually has done what it said it did, claiming it has struck an Israeli strategic center there in Iran. So thank you to Seth Franzman for that analysis and explaining what is actually the case here. Iranian propaganda, that's the bottom line. The two for one, the big Satan, uh, the U.S. and just rem and remember Israel, the little Satan. Okay, let's remember what Iran is really talking about here. The world community should remember that, and the U.S. should know that they are considered the big Satan. Yet they want to enter into a bad and even worse nuclear deal than what we had in 2015, which was bad enough. Also, a concerning article here in today's Jerusalem Post. The Palestinian Authority on Sunday warned against attempts by Jews to, quote, storm the Al-Aqsa Mosque compound during the Jewish holiday, saying that would trigger a religious war. According to uh, the Palestinian Authority, in this blood libel, and that's exactly what this is, a blood libel, settler gangs exploit Jewish holidays to storm the blessed Al-Aqsa Mosque to impose a fait accompli there as part of the Judaization scheme targeting Jerusalem and the Islamic holy sites. They always say that anytime a Jew visits the Temple Mount, that settlers are storming the Mount. When, President, when Vice President Pence went to Hebron, they said by the Vice President was storming the mosque in Hebron, which is actually Marata Machpelah, which Muslims consider to be a mosque. But that's not the point. These are lies. These are blood libels. This is what they've been doing for a hundred years uh, from the former ally of Hitler, the Grand Mufti, all the way till today. For a hundred years, Jews have been murdered because of this propaganda, because of these lies, accusations that the Jews are storming the Al-Aqsa Mosque when, you, when you're at an actuality talking about small groups of Jewish visitors to Judaism's holiest site. It's not even Islam's holiest site, and yet Jews who visit, and if they do it around Purim or Pesach or whatever holiday they're referring to here, are accused of storming the site, desecrating the site, 
And this is a blood libel. We've seen it time and time again. Uh, and Israel now has to step a step up its uh, its security protocol as we head towards uh, the holidays of of Purim and Pesach, and of course with the beginning of Ramadan um, here in just I believe just in a few weeks. So something to pay attention to, and we must always be vigilant, uh, especially when these blood libels against the Jewish people are issued. By our, by the way, by our so-called peace partners. This isn't even Hamas talking. This is the Palestinian Authority. Our peace partners issuing a blood libel, accusing Jews of doing all this kind of stuff on the uh, Temple Mount, which they don't even recognize. Is part. You know, I went to visit the city of David yesterday. It's going off on a tangent here, where you can see three thousand years of Jewish history, like with your own eyes. You can see it. You see the archaeology and the, and the excavations and the pilgrimage route. 2,000-year-old road, which the Jews used to, to go up to the temple in Jerusalem, in the old city, you see it in front of you, and you stand on it, and you realize uh, the Jewish connection to this area, to the land of Israel, to Jerusalem. And yet these people, the Palestinian Authority, and of course the others, Hamas and the other terror gangs, who are trying, uh, with the help, by the way, of UNESCO and the UN and, and all these other bodies, trying to erase Jewish history and trying to erase our ties to our holy city of Jerusalem, Hebron, of course, and, and the whole country, really. That is their goal, and we will not let that happen. Our weekly anti-Semitism report, a man wearing a Jewish symbol. I'm not sure exactly. It doesn't detail here what the symbol is. The Jerusalem Post reports, was thrown off a bus in Malmo, Sweden, according to a complaint he filed. He said, I was, dis this Jewish man said, I was discriminated against. Uh, the driver saw a Jewish symbol on my clothes and demanded that I get off. A, a Jew in Sweden in 2022 thrown off a bus because he's recognizably Jewish. That is where we are. The enlightened people of Western Europe, right? The liberals of Western Europe and their tolerance and acceptance and the way that they treat people so well. And in this case, Literally throw a Jew off a bus. Don't let him ride on the bus because he is Jewish. So there's our weekly anti-Semitism report. Very easy to find. You don't have to do much research. This is probably the least researched segment of the show for each and every week is my weekly anti-Semitism report because it's so easy to find. Uh, weather report here in Israel. We are expecting, uh, first of all, it's freezing outside. That's number one. I mean, this is the longest winter I think I've experienced in 20 years in Israel. I don't remember the middle of March. I mean, technically, it's still winter, but this morning when I got into my car, it was 3 degrees Celsius, which is about 37 Fahrenheit. So it's freezing here in Israel. Uh, possibly, possibly um, the chance of snow for northern Israel and the highlands, including Gush Etzion, on Tuesday. So we'll see if we get any serious snow. But the temperature is falling, and it is still very much winter here in the Jewish state. Finally, um, ending on, on positive news here, Israel 21C reports that Israel is home to some 130 startups and growth companies geared toward women. Uh, reported. This was reported um, 
in the innovation and tech platform Startup Nation Central ahead of International Women's Day, which was actually last week. The companies provide solutions across 10 verticals, breastfeeding, cosmetics, diagnostics, oncology, cancer support, pelvic health, reproductive and pregnancy safety, sexual wellness, wellness, surgery, and wellness. According to Startup Nation Central, 90 of the 130 companies whose target audience is women are focused on health. So there you have Israeli companies contributing towards the health and well-being of women. If you are a BDS hater, wherever you are in the world, do not take advantage of these companies. Keep boycotting these companies because you don't want to be a hypocrite. Another example of Israel contributing to the world, in this case, towards women's health. Don't be a hypocrite, folks. If you're going to hate on us and you're in need of any of these services provided by any of these companies, don't use them. Sit and suffer in silence or continue your anti-Israel BDS hate. But don't be a hypocrite. That's the worst thing you can be is a hypocrite when you use Israeli products which are benefiting the world, whether it's for women, for men, or for anyone else. And it is a fact that that is what Israel is serving light into the nations and, and creating good and benefiting so many people and saving lives and traveling to the Ukraine for crying out loud, saving lives all over the world, bringing refugees here into this country and the things that this country does setting up field hospitals in Haiti, and I can go on for hours and hours. But don't be a hypocrite, folks. If you're an anti-Israel BDS haters, don't take advantage of the life-saving technology and services um, that Israel provides or any of these companies. Anyway, that's going to do it for today. My name is Josh Haston. It is Monday, the 14th of March, 2022, the 11th of Adar, Bet 5782. This week, of course, the holiday of Purim. Jews around the world celebrate the fact that an evil monster, the Amalekite Haman, tried to destroy the Jews of Persia in ancient times and failed to do so. Instead, for the Jews, there was light, there was joy, there was dancing and singing um, because the evil edict was canceled and thanks to Mordechai and of course Esther Queen Esther and uh, and the brave Jews who fought back in the face of annihilation the Jews were saved in Persia and we commemorate that through the holiday of Purim so for all those who are celebrating Purim Sameach have a wonderful holiday enjoy it and uh, please God we will speak again here on Israel Uncensored and the Land of Israel Network next week. My name is Josh Haston. Get in touch with me during the week. Josh at thelandofisrael.com on Facebook, Joshua Haston. On Twitter at Josh Haston and on Instagram as well. Wishing everyone out there in the wonderful world of ours only good things. Health, safety. Have a great week from Gushetion in Judea, just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a great week, everybody. Tune in for an exclusive interview from the border of Ukraine and Moldova. If what I saw was absolutely incredible, rabbis who had fled from the Ukraine, each of whom had led very large communities, and they first made sure that their entire community would leave safely and soundly. And then they themselves came carrying their Torah scrolls from their synagogue, not knowing if they would return. Journalist Gil Hoffman 
gives a first-hand look at the Russian-Ukrainian conflict. You had organizations like Israel helping people regardless of whether they were Jewish or not Jewish. You've got Jews helping Gentiles, Gentiles helping Gentiles, Gentiles helping Jews, and Jews helping Jews. For the full interview, listen to Rejuvenation with Eve Harrow on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. I won't be chased out of Kiryat Shmona because it's my home. In addition, my wife was disabled in the use of both legs by a Katyusha rocket attack. Despite all that, I stay and will stay forever. This week on The Jewish Story, as Yasser Arafat and the PLO were amassing troops along the border, the city of Kiryat Shmona was facing bombardment. It all came to a head with the assassination attempt against Israeli Ambassador Shlomo Argov, in 1982. With their ambassador critically ill in hospital after being shot in London last night, the Israelis have taken swift action in retaliation. The Lebanon War, Part 1. That's The Jewish Story with Rav Mike Foyer on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com.